Hey there, Sport of Business podcasters. Before we get rolling on today's episode, a couple quick announcements. Uh, coming up April 9th and 10th in Fairfax, Virginia at CrossFit Burke, we will be hosting one of our Fuel Your Passion business seminars. We will talk about business systems. We'll talk about marketing. We'll talk about attracting new members to your gym. We'll talk about retention. We'll talk about your website. We'll talk about social media, content marketing, all these things. But on top of all of this, what we're going to be talking about is gym owners getting together, supporting each other, sharing best practices. You guys will be able to grab lunch, grab a coffee together, and just generally support each other. That really is the most impactful thing from these seminars for me. So again, April 9th and 10th, Fairfax, Virginia at CrossFit Burke. Head over to the 321goproject.com to reserve your spot in that upcoming seminar, April 9th and 10th. Also, if you haven't yet, head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, throw us a solid review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also enjoy providing this content for free to help you begin to see some momentum in your business. And we've got some awesome, inspiring guests coming up. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're subscribed to hear from those guys. Speaking of our guests, today we are talking about taxes with John Briggs from Insight Tax. A little disclaimer. Everything that we talk about today is simply general tax advice. Anything specific to your business, you should consult with your CPA or tax attorney before taking any action. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome, listeners, to uh, this week's episode of the Sport of Business podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon, and we are joined by 321Go's uh, resident tax expert, John Briggs. John, thank you so much for taking some time out of your absolute crazy season to be with us. Hey, it's always a pleasure to help the CrossFit community. We dig it. So actually, John, last we talked, uh, you were kind of digging into uh, digging into CrossFit as, as your fitness as well. Uh, how's this journey been so far? It's, it's been really good. Um, it was actually kind of fun. About a month ago, we did one of those workouts and I bench pressed uh 200 pounds like six times in a row or something i was like wow this is great nice work man i'm sure that huge pr for you uh well yeah since i started we started doing crossfit i don't know maybe a three or four months ago and i'm not even sure i could do a pull a push-up which is my own body weight so anyways it's been great G good for you john we're happy for you man welcome uh welcome to drinking the kool-aid yeah that's right <laughs> It's spiked with something, so it's good. <laughs> All right, I dig it, man. So, um, so listeners that have been following the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking a lot about staffing, and and more specifically, we sort of talked a little bit about ways to sort of motivate and compensate your staff in, in ways that that keep them engaged, that that pay them for uh, results that they provide. And you know, pay them commission based off of things that they do. And from a business side of things, we have found that this is a really effective motivator in getting your employees to sort of buy in uh, to what you're doing. And along with that comes some tax implications for these employees as well. And uh, you know, the big question that we see come up a lot of times is: Is my uh, are my employees designated as as a W two, so a salaried employee, or a ten ninety nine, or 
or an independent contractor. So um, while, we, while we'll give our caveat now that this is a, a question uh, best left to uh, your expert, your tax advisor, and the IRS, uh, I think John will be able to provide us some very broad parameters uh, as to how we can begin to determine who falls into what which camp. So, John, I'll throw it to you. Can you give us a little rundown on these two different designations? Yeah. So, um, a couple of things, too, from my caveats is uh, if you spent time Googling this, which you probably don't want to, you will find so much information out there that is pros and cons either way, whether some people are in the camp, everybody needs to be W-2, other people are in the camp. Everybody's 1099. I can tell you the IRS always wants people to be a W-2. Doesn't mean they can't be 1099. And so in my opinion, a lot of the people who are just pushing people towards the W-2 camp, they're really just frightened of the IRS and don't realize that if you structure the relationship the right way, the person can be a contractor. But some people don't want that risk. That's not in, in the types of risks they want to take on. And so they just stick people under the W-2, even though they probably should be independent contractors. So when it comes to which classification are they, a lot of it comes down to how much control does the gym owner have over the contractor, or let's call him the trainer. How much control does the gym owner have over the trainer? If he's scheduling that trainer, saying, I need you to be at these classes and you know, you're here, you're not. If you're not here, you get fired. That's a lot of control. That's W-2. If the gym owner lays out, hey, here are the classes that we have. Please sign up for the classes you want to be the trainer for. That's not as much control because what the gym owner is effectively taking on is a risk of saying, if the trainer doesn't show up as the gym owner, I'm probably going to have to fill in and train for these classes that I might not have trainers available for. That, though, because the risk now is on the gym owner of getting it done, it makes the person a contractor. Um, the way the trainer gets paid is also going to be a factor that would be looked at. If it's just a flat rate, hey, if you're if the gym, gym's open from 9 to 11 and then or i guess 6 a.m to 11 and then from 1 to 5 if you're here you get paid 15 bucks an hour that's probably w-2 because you're paying for their time mm -hmm. if you decide to structure it like a four seventh model or isn't that four ninths I can't four ninths that. yep yeah four ninths yeah if you structure it on the four ninths model then all of a sudden it's hey you're paid for the performance that you create so whether you're here for six hours or one hour, you know, if you get a percentage of the revenue or whatever the, however it works out, their fees, this, you get four ninths of it type of thing. That is more performance-based payment, which is much more common with independent contractors. So can I throw a scenario out to you, John? So last, yeah. uh, on last week's episode, uh, we sort of framed this idea of a results-only work environment. So mm -hmm. in, in looking at my gym right now, I've, you know, my floors need to be cleaned weekly. Um, I have all of my social media and my content that needs to be published and put out. 
Now, let's say I set a flat rate for these things. So, all right, floors being cleaned, uh, you'll get paid 50 bucks a week for cleaning the floors. And all right, who wants to do this? And you can do it whenever you want to do it. What camp does that fall into? That falls under the independent contractor camp. I mean, if you think, so a lot of times, the people who are in the W-2 only camp, they they just don't think through things. And I feel like, so the, I can re-describe what you just described in a different scenario, which is very common. A company has a business building and that building gets dirty. So what do they do? They hire a cleaning company to come in once a week, once a night, whatever, to clean their space. It's no different. It just might so happen that it's one of your trainers who decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and make some extra money and clean this. But that's just a coincidence that it's the trainer can also be paid to train classes and he can also be paid to clean the floor because, as you mentioned, it's a result-based, which is going to be independent contractor. I mean, I'm not sticking a janitorial company on a W-2 just because I use their services to empty our trash and clean the toilets, you know. Mm. So, and yeah, and so kind of piggyback off of piggybacking off of what we talked about last week, it's, it's creating these duties and tasks that you're giving uh, your trainers opportunities to take on extra duties if they want. And if not, totally. then we, then we look outside for those types of opportunities. So that makes complete sense, John. Uh, out, of, out of curiosity. So why, so just so I can kind of understand, um, why would the IRS prefer everybody be a W-2 versus a 1099? Well, it comes down to payroll tax. Um, if, if as a business owner you pay an employee, uh, the business owner has to pay 7.65% payroll tax on whatever that person makes. And that's just money gone. The employee doesn't get it. It goes straight to the government. And so for whatever reason, because you're providing a livelihood to people as an employee, the government says you have to pay us money for the benefit of providing for these people. It's really stupid. As an independent contractor, you don't pay that 7.65% employer tax on the contractors. The contractor is basically responsible for those taxes themselves, which is why they're considered self-employed. When people say self-employed, it actually is referring to this self-employment tax that's associated with the income they make. Which is which is a tax that, I, that most gym owners pay is a, is a self-employment tax. So I think that's something that we're all uh, mm-hmm. fairly familiar with. So, so tell us what is so you know we've kind of identified some of the benefits for the business of putting people in one designation over another. What about for the contractor themselves? So let's say you do have a a 1099 contractor that, that works for you and, and takes all of these duties like, like we've discussed. And so what is the benefit for them? Is there, are there, are there tax benefits for them being self-employed independent contractors versus being a W-2 employee? Yeah, so let's just run the scenario. Let's say a trainer is a a W-2 employee and they make $10,000. That employee doesn't actually get paid $10,000 cash. 
just like the business owner has to pay the his portion of the payroll tax, which is $765, the trainer also has to pay his portion as the employee of the $765. And so right off the top, he doesn't even get 10 grand in cash. He gets 9,200 and something or what, however that math works out. So that's the first thing. And then as an employee, if, um, if I incur any costs for myself in order to do the job, it's very difficult and not, a, not really awesome on how I can take those as deductions. So I'm really limited. So I'm basically, I could incur a bunch of costs to perform my job as a W-2 employee and not really get any tax benefit out of it. As a contractor, if I make $10,000, the business paid me $10,000. And now all the costs that I incur to make sure I can do my job, like maybe CrossFit certification, my athletic training clothes, supplements to keep me physically fit, um, all those costs that go associated in with being a trainer, driving to the gym, my cell phone so that I'm accessible to the people I'm training, my internet so that I can research the proper form of the movements CrossFit has us do or follow the CrossFit game so that I can share that with my gym. All those expenses reduce how much tax I pay. So while I may make $10,000, if I had $5,000 of expenses, I actually only pay tax on $5,000. If I were a W-2 employee, I'd still have those expenses because I want to do a good job but I don't get to write it off. I'd pay tax on the $10,000. So it makes a big difference. And so if, and generally speaking, and I, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to frame this uh, incorrectly. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but generally okay. speaking as a W2 employee to itemize. So what you're talking about is like, okay, itemizing my taxes. So there are mm -hmm. definitely W2 employees that have enough deductions to itemize those taxes. And if, if I'm just taking a stab in the dark and sort of painting most trainers with the broad brush, they probably do not qualify for enough deductions to begin to itemize those other things. Is that fair right. to say? Yep. So what I've been referring to, if, if I do have expenses as an employee, is uh, the tax term is an unreimbursed employee expense which is taken on your itemized deduction form. And um, the, your taxes compare your itemized deductions to a standard deduction that's just a flat number the IRS gives to everybody. And so for, for a single person, that's like 6,200, 6,300 bucks. And so if they don't have mortgage interest, um, primarily it kind of comes down to if you don't have a house that you're paying for, you're probably not itemizing. In which case, all those expenses you took on as an employee, they don't go anywhere on your tax return. You're right. Interesting. Okay. So so as the 1099 employee, so um, as the contractor, so I get paid exactly what I get paid. And then I've got – and so you've mentioned all of these things that we can begin to look at to reduce – our taxable income. So you gave an example of, okay, you have a contractor that you paid $10,000 this year. And let's say they incurred $5,000 worth of expenses. They're in fact only going to be taxed 
on the remaining $5,000. So what I'd like to do is, is give, and I only know this because of, I mean, obviously I am, I am a client of, of insight taxes and I've had very extensive conversations with Dustin that, <laughs> that have sort of opened my eyes to things that I was previously not aware of. Um, so Let's begin to uncover and get creative of some of these things that your coaches could potentially uh, deduct from their income. So you hit on a few um, clothes. So, I mean, let's get real, guys. I know all of your coaches are going to Lululemon, so let's, <laughs> let's at least not get taxed on those ridiculous sports bras. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, supp- supplements are a mine just one. showed up in the mail the other day I was like I, this isn't going to fit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I can't get that I cannot get that image out of my head right now John but that's amazing <laughs> uh, so, so the so, clothing, okay. all right so nanos well, everything go ahead yeah let me jump in here so there's okay. actually Two things for sure that they need to first be aware of. One, okay. the fact they get a 1099, according to tax code, they're no different than a Microsoft or an Apple. They are treated as a company. That's what the 1099 means. Hey, you're a separate business operating entity. Great. So that's important to understand first because then it comes down to as a business owner, which the tax code is classifying them as, If I spend a dollar, my job is to figure out, is that dollar related to my business as a trainer? If it is related, then I should be writing it off. There's going to be times you you answer that question and it's like, no, this isn't related at all. But a whole lot of times, if you really sit down and think about it, yeah, I don't think I would have spent this money if I weren't a trainer. So that's the first thing, just an overall general concept um, that people should have when they are receiving a 1099. Um, But then it goes down to the things that just, the obvious things that a trainer is probably going to have. Maybe not the expensive sports bras, but yeah, sure. The nanos, um, spandex, t-shirts, shorts, you know, all that stuff. You're, you have to have that as a trainer or I just don't see anyone in my CrossFit gym working out in jeans, quite frankly. So mm-hmm. you got to have workout clothes. So, uh, so how about this? My, so I have somebody that I pay to do programming. And again, it falls well within the 1099 because he can do it uh, whenever he wants with, with very minimal um, control over his schedule. And he prefers to do that at home. So he has set himself up in his apartment a – an office with his laptop. So explain that process. I mean, cause obviously we, a lot of us with head coaches are have, or managers are doing duties outside of the gym. So what does that look like once they're home and using those things? Yeah, those, those are tax deductions. Um, his home internet is going to be a tax deduction. Um, just like, and I mentioned kind of previously, the trainer has internet at his house. Well, he could very well only have that because he wants to make sure he's on top of the latest and greatest with CrossFit. Um, uh, in addition to, you know, as a trainer or independent contractor or really anybody who gets a 1099, there's the aspect of deducting the portion of your home that you're using for the business. 
So you might have a desk there, you might have a computer, those are all gonna be tax write-offs. Um, in theory, the percentage of utilities that is a, applied to that home office space, that technically can be taken as well. The IRS actually simplified it for us and they basically say it's like $5 a square foot up to 150 square feet or something. So most of the time we just plop in $1,500 as a deduction for that for um, independent contractors. Um, eating out, I mean, while you're, you know, most class of people probably aren't going to McDonald's, but they still might go to some of the more healthier, um, trendy places that exist now. And so if you're eating out, that's a business expense. You could be trying to find uh, athletes that or come to your gym. Or, or what about if, I mean, one thing that's a really common occurrence for a lot of my coaches is they go out with athletes at the gym. You know, yeah, after, build after a relationship. A, yeah, so after a Saturday workout, we're out for brunch, track that expense. Totally. Okay, awesome. Um, so what is a, how do you recommend some of these contractors begin to, uh, track these expenses. What is kind of what is a the easiest way for these guys to go about uh, keeping track of of um, what they spend on things related to them as trainers? Well, um, if I were a gym owner and my trainers were contractors, I requires a strong word, but I would strongly encourage my trainers to at least get a single member LLC with their state. Okay. And that, what that allows is that me as the gym owner, I'm writing my checks to business names and not to individuals. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side for the trainer, it helps them distinguish what is business and what is personal. Um, as, if you have a single member LLC, it's, not a separate tax return. It's still going to go on your personal tax return, but you would want a separate bank account for it. Mm -hmm. So I'd start there. You want to get the separate bank account. That way my checks that I earn from training are going to get deposited into that, into that. And I'm going to spend money out of that. Um, Then from there, most trainers can get away with just using Excel. Mm -hmm. You know, look at your bank statements once a month and, plug in your expenses in different categories on an Excel spreadsheet. They don't need to go all fancy with some of the online software. Um, That being said, there are some free versions out there that would be sufficient probably. Mm -hmm. Even even like a mint.com, they could use that to track their business expenses, even though it's designed for personal use. They could do that. Um, Most of our trainers, though, just – uh, they they use Excel or even just a hand piece of paper. No, absolutely. And I would even say on that front that it. Uh, I mean, Google has pretty much become ubiquitous for all things online. I I do know that Google has some free templates in Google Drive that trainers can use to track these these kinds of things. It's they're super simple and and actually pretty robust. So. Yeah, and if any of you guys want, we have a template too in Excel that we email. It's kind of laid out with a a whole bunch of different category options so they know, okay, this expense probably fits into that category. 
so we'd be happy to provide that as a, as a free resource as well. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So we'll, uh, yeah, so definitely we'll, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to link to uh, back to your website in the show notes. So it'd be a great thing to reach out and, and grab that template from, from John over there. So, um, gosh, I think we really covered a lot. So one, th- oh, we didn't talk about, uh, mileage and gas. What is, what is the way to go here is, is to track the mileage or pay for the gas from this separate account? Um, both actually. So the okay. way that works with the IRS is on the tax return, they allow you to take one or the other. And that means you can choose whichever one gives you the better tax treatment. You would choose that. But that being said, it's still a business expense. So I'm going to pay for my gas out of my business account, even though I'm probably going to take my mileage because it's going to give me a better tax deduction. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what else? What about so healthcare? So as the so let's say as the business or as the gym, uh, how does how does the healthcare premiums work? Is there an opportunity for sort of a matching contribution for that, or let's say the contractor uh, pays for that out of their own pocket? Uh, how how do we use these expenses? Yeah. Oh man, that's a that's a whole can there. So is this a separate general, episode? <laughs> maybe, but here's okay. some general rules. Um, so first of all, the gym owner can't just like make the payments for insurance if they don't have a group plan. Mm-hmm. And it's been my experience with the insurance experts that I've spoken with. If the business doesn't have fifty or more employees group plans often do not make sense right now. Um, and so like in my case, before Obamacare happened, I was just reimbursing my employees for a portion of their health insurance. But Obamacare said, you can't do that anymore. So all I've had, I've had to just increase their pay mm-hmm. to include the insurance part that I was originally covering for them. Gotcha. Um, as an independent contractor, they, most of those, most of the trainers I've met and we've dealt with probably qualify for some sort of premium tax credit assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just need to look into that. Um, healthcare.gov is the, technically the website, but I would probably reach out to an insurance agent that I trust because they can walk you through the headaches of all that. But mm-hmm. they just need to know that the health insurance premiums that they do pay is actually a tax deduction. It's not taken as a business expense. It's taken on a separate line item called self-employed health insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. But it does reduce their taxable income. Awesome. Okay, so that's that's good to make note of because, uh, like you said, I I mean this, yeah, group plans are almost impossible to come by for the for the gym at this point. So um, that's good to have in the back of your head as you begin to offer more for your employees. Uh, so John, as far as, um, so one thing that you mentioned kind of before we were on air is that, um, you guys offer sort of a, a free teleconference chat with, you know, gym owner and their contractors to begin to ask some of these specific questions. Uh, but I think today we sort of, you know, delivered a pretty solid primer for our contractors to begin to think about, 
all of the things that they do. And I want to reiterate something that you said earlier, and that's, um, you know, is every dollar that you spend related to your job as a trainer? And, and that's a really good starting point for understanding the point at which things are tax deductible and, and where they're not. So wrapping up, John, is there, are there any, uh, you know, pieces of advice or things that you would like uh, gym owners or other small business owners to begin to share with their, uh, with their contractors to sort of maximize the tax benefit of self-employment? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. Um, hopefully I don't run long for you. But no. first one, uh, when it comes to the W-2 camp, um, a lot of the arguments, especially with CrossFit trainers, has come down to, but your trainers are using the CrossFit method, and so you're forcing them to do the CrossFit method, and therefore that doesn't make them independent. It's just such a bunch of bull crap. I mean, you mentioned that you have a programmer. Well, I might have a job I need a programmer to do, but with what my system is, they have to they have to program in a C plus language versus a Java language. It's no different than that. That guy's still a contractor. Whoever I find to fit what I need is still a contractor. Of course, your trainer is going to be uh, CrossFit certified. That's part of having a CrossFit gym. <laughs> and so, just the fact that they're certified doesn't make them independent. You're just finding an independent contractor that fits the criteria of your athletes who are there. So that's the first, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, as far as with the trainers and the other kind of ending thoughts, um, we would be more than happy to sit down with a gym owner and their trainers, do a teleconference, um, do emails, whatever, do a webinar. We don't, we don't really care. We just want to get the information out there. Um, to make sure the trainers and the gym owners both understand there's strong tax incentives to being paid as a contractor versus W-2. And in my opinion, the extra risk the owner takes on to have the trainer as a contractor is well worth it. Um, we've had a couple gyms where some of the trainers are only making a couple thousand dollars because it's really part-time. Yeah, on the, that, honestly, the amount of payroll tax you pay isn't going to break the bank if you wanted to keep those guys W-2. But I don't know. I'm just kind of of the opinion the government's really sucking at spending my money and everyone everyone's money. I kind of want to keep it. I want to use it to create more jobs. I want to, I want to keep it. Like for the gym owner, if they can keep their money, maybe they can somehow figure out how to get more athletes in there and change more lives with how we know CrossFit can do for people. So if anyone wants to reach out to us, We'd be happy to organize something like that. It doesn't cost them anything. We'd be happy to just share that information and set up a meeting um, and go over kind of the stuff that we've talked about in this podcast and then have the opportunity to answer their specific questions. So we'd be totally great to do that. Awesome. Well, uh, John, I'll surely uh, link to your site and throw your contact information into the show notes so that people have access to that. And and again, you know, a lot of these questions I was asking today was as a result of things that have been asked to me uh, by my trainers. And so I'm sure that other uh, gym owners can really, again, the idea is like providing value for your employees. And this is the, this is the theme of these last few podcasts is like, how can you as a leader 
begin to increase the opportunities, give people ownership of their job, encourage entrepreneurialism from your contractors, from your trainers, and, and really help them maximize their their um, employment and their career. So, uh, John, I, I really appreciate your time. I think this is a, a great uh, end point for this discussion on uh, on our coaches and, and staff development. So, John, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks for that. 